Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Though for this week, all eyes are on Capitol Hill for reasons we'll get into in just a few moments. Uh, We're fortunate to have on the line with us Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy to break it all down for us and to bring us up to speed on these legislative initiatives. So, Shane, welcome back. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Dan. Good to be back with you on the precipice of uh, October. Absolutely. And to that point, Shane, I know we are just hours away, of course, from a new month, but also a deadline to prevent a shutdown of the U.S. government. We've seen a lot of back and forth over the past few days or few hours, for that matter, amongst lawmakers. Uh, Where do we stand as of today, Shane? Yeah, no, uh, great uh, point there that tomorrow is the start of a new fiscal year for uh, government funding. And as of you know, this moment, uh, government is not funded beyond midnight tonight. So Congress is working um, to extend government funding to December. Uh, I think when we last spoke, um, the the what was going on at that point was uh, the House had passed a bill to extend government funding, but also at the same time increase the debt ceiling, which is a separate issue that often gets conflated. Um, it is uh, uh, both are important, but for different reasons. You know, one, the shutdown, if the government shutdowns, you know, then it's a question of, you know, government operations continuing. Right. Um, increasing the debt ceiling is important because if you do not increase the debt ceiling, then the government would default on its debt, which would be a major market event. Now, they have two different timelines, but, you know, Congress is trying to take care of both at once. Now, this was not possible. So what is happening now is that there's going to be a clean um, funding bill to fund government operations through December. So and the debt ceiling will be dealt um, uh, outside of this realm. So, you know, at this point, um, progress has been made. And I would expect that, you know, uh, by this evening or maybe, you know, early tomorrow, uh, that government is funded through um, December. You know, there's there's possibility of a, a short shutdown, but maybe by the time you wake up, it's all taken care of. So um, maybe that is uh, the good news for, for today, I think, out of D.C. Okay, so some positive developments there on the funding bill. And I know prior there were some talks about the prospects for a debt ceiling increase to be factored into a funding bill. I'm not sure where that stands as of today, though, as you pointed out, October 18th is the deadline for a deal to materialize, which would address the debt ceiling. So what's the path forward look like there, Shane? Where do those talks stand today? Yeah, so uh, uh, the debt ceiling has been removed from that government funding bill. Um, And earlier this week, I think it was on Tuesday morning, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen uh, told Congress that uh, October 18th is X date. X date is the date when, you know, they have to increase the debt ceiling or there's default. Now, obviously, that can change over the next uh, two weeks, uh, depending on, you know, revenues coming in and out of government coffers. So, you know, maybe X date gets pushed out by a few days. But for now, Congress has to assume that October date, 18th is their uh, date to act by. Um, so now that, you know, Congress is, move, is moving to fund government operations separate from the debt ceiling, you know, Congress is uh, trying to figure out what their other option is. There's talk of 
throwing it into the budget reconciliation bill, which is that larger spending bill. Um, there is uh, trying to figure out if they can do it in isolation. And honestly, at this point, they don't know how they're going to proceed with this. Um, it's kind of um, going to probably be a little bit of trial and error over the next few days. And when I say trial and error, I mean, you know, talking to their memberships, floating different ideas of how they get this across the finish line and members saying yes or no to that. Um, so this is going to be, uh, you know, an intense uh, two and a half weeks um, for a variety of reasons. But I think the uh, pressure to act on the debt ceiling um, and, you know, the the uh, partisan nature of doing this exercise is going to make for uh, some headlines and, you know, could rattle some people. Um, you know, I think it's something that we're definitely going to be paying attention to as it can be a real have a real market impact, especially if um, uh, the debt ceiling is not increased. I, I would note that the debt ceiling has always been increased um, since its creation. Um, but uh, I think most recently, back in 2013, the the uh, back and forth of Congress uh, led to the downgrade of uh, the nation's debt for the first time ever. So, you know, this does have a real world impact. In parallel to the debt ceiling, and you put it well, all of the intensity that's surrounding that, there also continues to be a lot of spirited debate over the reconciliation bill and whether President Biden's domestic policy priorities initiatives should be baked into that. So what have we been hearing this week? I know previously we've spoken about how Senators Kirsten Sinema, uh, Joe Manchin, they've been in opposition about that price tag. And it does sound like that those positions do remain fairly firm yeah no they still um remain in support of the general process but opposed to the three and a half trillion dollar price tag and and so uh democrat leadership is trying to ask them well what do you want and uh you know how what is your cap now they have not said that publicly but um you know just before you and i jumped on this call uh an alert came out that senator manchin uh, months ago told uh, leadership that he wanted a $1.5 trillion price tag, which is a big uh, um, step down. It's less than 50% of that $3.5 trillion. So, so it's going to be a, um, a real battle uh, between progressive and moderates on this. You know, and that battle doesn't just affect this reconciliation bill. It's playing out uh, today on the infrastructure deal. Uh, the bipartisan infrastructure deal that's already passed the Senate um, it is tentatively scheduled to be voted on by the House today, um, per Speaker Pelosi's agreement with moderate Democrats. But, uh, as of this moment, uh, I don't think they have the vote. So they either, they may pull the vote and not have the vote today. They may go through the vote and, and maybe it fails. So this is going to be a very fluid day. And this does impact the reconciliation bill. Um, Senator Cinema has indicated once the, uh, infrastructure, uh, bill has passed into law, then she's going to be full time, you know, trying to make a deal on the reconciliation bill, but she's not going to make commitments at this time um, because she wants the infrastructure deal uh, passed first. So uh, the reconciliation bill um, is still evolving and, you know, it, it may take uh, weeks, if not 
uh, months to pass in the law. A lot of moving parts here, but very helpful, Shane, to receive clarity on uh, the reconciliation bill. We covered the funding bill as well as the debt ceiling. So thank you for the insights there, Shane. Maybe one more topic we can hit on this week, and this moves outside of legislation for a few moments. There was some notable testimony up on Capitol Hill this week, a two-day event, Tuesday and Wednesday, which involved a senior military leadership. So we had Generals McKenzie, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Milley, as well as uh, Secretary of Defense Austin. Uh, They testified before House and Senate committees in the wake of the Afghanistan withdrawal back in August. So any notable highlights from the two-day testimonies, Shane, that you can share with us? Yeah, no, this was a notable two days of hearings. Um, And, you know, um, the focus, uh, there were focus, there were several focuses. First was, you know, the Afghan withdrawal, as you know. And um, Republicans are focusing on what seems to be um, a disagreement of memory of, you know, uh, they asked uh, the generals and the secretary, you know, what was the recommendation from the generals to President uh, Biden for the withdrawal? And, you know, part of their response was that they believed that uh, 2,500 uh, soldiers should remain in country to help prevent the fall of, of Afghanistan to the Taliban. Um you know, in an interview earlier this summer, you know, uh, President Biden said he did not recall any such recommendation from the generals. So, you know, uh, Republicans are going to make hay of this. We'll keep hearing about it. Uh, we'll, and they'll try and use this to say that, you know, the fall of Afghanistan was because of President Biden's uh, decision not to listen to the generals. Um, so this will continue, you know, throughout the uh, probably the election. We're going to hear about this for years to come. Um, additionally, you know, the hearing was used by some Republicans as, as an opportunity to go after uh, all three and ask for all three's res- the resignation of all three: uh, Secretary Olson, General McKenzie, and uh, Joint Chiefs Chairman uh, Milley. You know, and a lot of Republicans specifically honed in on. Uh, Chairman Milley and his uh, time that he has spent talking to reporters for um, books that are released or being released. Um, And that drew specific ire from a number of Republican congressmen and senators. So, you know, this was a contentious hearing, um, you know, but while there are fireworks, as I just mentioned about uh, um, General Milley and his participation in the book, the real takeaway is um, President Biden um, not taking the advice of his generals for the withdrawal of Afghanistan. And that will be something that, like I said, will be probably talked about for years to come and uh, bring into question uh, President Biden's uh, judgment and decision-making, especially as, you know, we get closer to elections. Well, Shane, thank you for sharing some reflections on the two-day hearings and uh, no shortage of events and discussions and debates happening up on Capitol Hill this week, a very fluid time. So thank you, Shane, as always, for keeping us up to speed. And uh, we'll look forward to staying in touch and picking back up with the conversation again soon. Looking forward to it, Dan. I hope you're well and have a great weekend. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy 
in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our listeners and our clients of UBS, as always, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.